This is a great story. Uh, This is great history, I should say, because it actually happened. It's not just a story that someone made up. This is God's Word, and it's here to uh, instruct us and inform us about Jesus and His character, who He is, and what He's come to do for us. So let's, let's read God's Word now and hear it uh, and embrace it as for that which it is, the Word, the very Word of God that He wants us to hear. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great, a great crowd gathered about Him, and He was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell on his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease." And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, Well, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? A child is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, Little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately... The girl got up and began walking, for she was twelve years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word to us today. Imagine a doctor has two patients in his office. The first patient is a woman with a bleeding issue that has been going on for 12 years. Uh, She's seen a lot of doctors and tried many cures, but nothing seems to help. She spent a lot of money trying to find a cure for this problem, and her condition only seems to be worsening. The other patient is a 12-year-old girl, an only child. This little girl is at the very point of death. She actually was brought to the doctor's office first before the other woman. So what does the doctor do? 
He goes to the lady with a chronic bleeding issue, and the little girl dies. The family is beside themselves with grief. What do you think is going to happen to that doctor? My guess is that he will be sued for malpractice and probably lose his medical license. It's unconscionable to treat this woman who is in no grave danger and to leave this little girl to die. Well, of course, that's a similar scenario to what we find here in our passage before us today. Jairus' daughter is at the very point of death, and Jesus stops on the way to heal her to interact with this woman with the flow of blood. Can you imagine Jairus' impatient as Jesus uh, is making his way through the crowd and then stops and says, Who touched me? And the easier question would have been, Who didn't touch you? Jesus was always attracting these big crowds and they were thronging around him. And Jesus stops and after a few minutes finds out that it is indeed this woman who had touched him. And he starts to speak to her and chats with her about her life. And in the meantime, we find this little girl slips away into death. It would seem to be malpractice what Jesus is doing here. And maybe today you felt like the way Jairus surely himself felt. You know, you've, you have this problem. You're, you're coming to the Lord with an issue. You're asking for his help, and yet nothing is happening. The problem is not being solved. It seems that God is not doing anything. He's delaying in an irrational, in, 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 in an irrational unconscionable manner. You feel like Jesus is committing malpractice with your life. If you don't feel that way today, then you probably have or you probably will because God's sense of timing is rarely the same as ours. To all of us who are impatient with God, who are enduring difficult circumstances in which we would just wish that God would intervene and draw us out of, Jesus says to us what he said to Jairus, Do not fear, only believe. Well, that sounds all nice and pious and very Sunday school-esque, but how does that work for you? I mean, don't you hate it when people just say, when you're going through a difficult time, oh, you just need to trust the Lord. That really doesn't help much, does it? It's true, we certainly need to trust the Lord, But what does that mean? How do we go about that? How, how when your heart is breaking and the difficulty seems unbearable, how do you not succumb to fear? How do you trust the Lord in the midst of that difficulty? The question I want to address today is this. When Jesus says, do not fear, only believe, how do you do that? How do you know he's trustworthy? The answer is this. In order to believe and not succumb to fear, you must see three things. Number one, that God, that Jesus Christ is wise enough to know your most pressing need. Secondly, that he is loving enough to have your best interest at heart. And finally, that he is powerful enough to do something about it. So we want to look at Jesus' wisdom, his love, and his power today. Look at Jesus' wisdom first, first off. And the first time, if you've, if you've never read this passage before, which is probably, 
no one here has had that experience this morning. I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, have read this passage before. But if you ever think back to a time when you read this the first time, you probably can't even remember that. But think about, imagine reading this the very first time. You, you didn't know anything about the story, uh, and you were just reading along. Uh, you would read that from the perspective of Jairus. I think immediately you would start to think, what is Jesus doing? Why is he stopping? This little girl is dying. He needs to hurry. You know, he needs to get there. He needs to turn the sirens on. He needs to hop on the ambulance and get there. This is an emergency. Why is he stopping and and talking with this woman who has this chronic issue? Yes, but it's not life-threatening. He can move on. He can come back to her if he needs to. A little girl is dying. The lady will survive. You can deal with that later. That's the way you feel the first time you read it. But the second time you read through this story, you begin reading it from the perspective of Jesus. When Jesus stops and speaks to the woman and the messengers arrive with the news that the little girl is dead, we're not worried. We're not worried at all because we know the end of the story. We can say to Jairus, you can trust the Lord here. You can trust Jesus. We know how it's going to end. Don't be afraid. He's going to raise your little girl from the dead. You're going to see something really awesome happen here in just a few minutes. The same thing applies to our lives. You know, as we're going through our lives, as we're living out the story of our lives, as difficult circumstances come along, we don't have all the information. We don't know how the story necessarily is going to end. But Jesus does. He sees the whole story. He knows what he's doing. That's the quote in the, in the bulletin. It's such a simple quote. I didn't even attribute it to, to anyone. But it's just simply this. Jesus knows what he's doing. He's the God of this universe. He, he knows what he's doing. But it's hard to see that when you're going through difficult circumstances. Jesus is wise. He knows. Jesus knows things that you do not. He knows how the story is going to end. But not only is he wise enough, is he wise enough to know what you do not know, he's also wise enough to know what you need the most. He knows what is best for you. When you read this story the second time, you see that Jesus really does take care of the most pressing need when you look at it. When he's faced with the choice of seeking out this woman over the little girl, we think, Well, he should choose the little girl. That should be the priority here. That, to us, would be the most pressing need. But Jesus knows that he can raise the little girl from the dead. It's not a problem whether she's alive or dead. With little or no effort at all, he can raise this girl right up from the dead. And that changes the priority. The woman becomes the priority because of her superstitious faith you notice this about the woman uh she says if i can just touch jesus i'm sure that i would be healed and that's exactly what she does she thinks that jesus is kind of like a rabbit's foot that she can rub on and it'll give her good luck what she wants now if that woman walks away thinking that having been healed then that is not going to grow her faith that is going to allow her to walk away with a false assumption on how she was healed. Jesus stops and interacts with her and helps her understand that it's her faith that has made her well. 
Faith in a Savior. He calls her daughter. What wonderful words Jesus shares with her. Now see, because she has this condition that she has, uh, the law in those days, the, the ceremonial law said that she was perpetually unclean. She was perpetually unclean. That meant that ceremonially she could never come to worship. That meant that actually no one was supposed to even touch her and she was not supposed to touch anyone else. That's why she's scared when uh, Jesus says, Who touched me? Because she's not supposed to touch anyone because she's unclean. And when she touches someone, she spreads her uncleanness ceremonially to that person. That's why she does it on the sly in the crowd. But Jesus turns to her and he says, daughter. He accepts her. He brings her in. Uh, He creates a faithful follower of her. Not only does he heal her, but he, he grows her faith. The delay helps her tremendously. If she just were to walk away, uh, who knows what she would believe. So Jesus prioritizes the woman over the little girl. But in the meantime, through what happens with Jairus and his daughter, then you also get what's best for Jairus. You know, Jairus comes to, to Jesus with a real faith. He knows he, he falls down in a posture of worship before Jesus. And it says, you know, please come lay your hands on my little girl and she will be healed. He believes in Jesus. He believes, she believes that Jesus can heal his little girl. But by delaying and by raising the little girl from the dead, he brings Jairus, Jesus brings Jairus to an even deeper faith because Jairus had to overcome his fears and rely completely on Jesus in a deeper way than he ever wanted to or imagined. Jesus knew what was best. The the delay enabled him to capture the hearts of this woman and Jairus in a very profound way that would not have happened otherwise. It is true for us as well. Jesus is always interested in increasing our faith. He wants us to grow, to depend upon him more. So when you're going through a, a delay by God, a difficult circumstance that you want out of now and God is not responding to your demands for immediate deliverance, ask yourself this question, how can I trust him more? Because that's really what God's after. He wants you to trust him more. He wants you to have a greater faith. He wants you not to succumb to fear, but to trust him. And you can only do that, first of all, by understanding that God, Jesus, Uh, understands what you need, and he understands the whole picture. He knows what he's doing. I heard it said one time that Jesus gives us what we would have asked for if we knew what he knew. That's a lot to remember. Hear it again. Jesus gives us what we would have asked for if we knew what he knew. He knows what we need most. When we get upset at God because things are not going the way we think they should go, or we feel that he's not giving us what we need when we need it, what we're really saying is that we know better than God what we need. Can you see how prideful and arrogant that is? I want to be sensitive about that and not just say uh, anyone who's going through a difficult time is being prideful or arrogant if they question God. That's not necessarily the case, but you can see what I'm talking about here. 
that that is an arrogant stance, a prideful stance to take that. And I know it's difficult when you're going through a hard time. But we, but what he's calling us to do, not fear, but believe, is saying, I'm not going to feel that way, Lord. I'm not going to panic. I'm going to trust you, that you know best. Here's another way to think about it. Think of the things in your life that you value the most. I bet many of those things that you value the most in your life are things that you never would have chosen if you were just on your own. If you were just given the choice, you probably would have never chosen those things. Also, there are parts of your life for which you are profoundly thankful, but you would never have chosen. The most valuable parts of your life, I would bet, are not the parts that came to you instantly, but rather the ones for which you had to wait, which had to develop, which came to you over a period of time. Jesus knows what he's doing. You can trust his wisdom. And that's what he's asking Jairus to do in this situation. Also look at the love of Jesus. You know, it's it's one thing to say, yes, Jesus is wise. Uh, He is God. He knows the beginning and the end. And, and, uh, you know, he, he is in control of it all. But does he have my best interest at heart? He can be wise and not have best interest at heart. But the fact of the matter is, he is wise and he's loving. He wants the very best for you. And we see it de- uh, demonstrated here in a couple of ways. First of all, Jesus is no respecter of persons. Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue, it tells us, uh, which is kind of like being an elder in the church. He was well respected. Uh, he would have had a position in the church. It meant that he was a person of high character, Um, well-respected by everybody. He was probably well-off, but a very moral man. On the other hand, this woman, who was perpetually unclean because of her illness, uh, was rejected by society. No one would touch her. They they couldn't get near her, or they would be unclean themselves. She was poor. She had spent all of her money trying to find a cure. Uh, She could not really interact with anyone. She had no social life and not much of a religious life either because she could not participate in worship. But Jesus equally reaches out to both of them and brings them in. It doesn't matter what their walk in their life is. Uh, even a different uh, degree of faith is exhibited by both. Jairus has a lot of faith. He's a good man. He's a very religious man, at least. This woman has a superstitious faith, as we said before. She's unclean. But Jesus reaches out to people, no matter where they are. He extends his love to you. Also, look at this, that, that he not only reaches out to people from different walks of life, but he reaches out to people who are unclean. He touches the unclean and cleanses them. You know, it was very much a taboo for Jesus to touch this woman or this woman to touch him is also taboo for someone to touch a dead body. And it specifically says here that Jesus reaches out and takes the little girl's hand, this dead body, which would have made him unclean. But that doesn't make her unclean. Through his touch, through the touch of the woman, both are made clean. Jesus loves them so much, he's willing to overcome the barriers 
the social barriers, the religious barriers. He reaches out to people where they are in their sinfulness and brokenness, and he cleanses them. And that's true for us as well. He doesn't ask us to make ourselves clean in order to come to him. You know, if you're broken today, uh, if your life is, feels like it's out of control and you've got this heavy weight, this burden that you want lifted, uh, come to Jesus as you are. Cry out to him. Trust his wisdom. He will cleanse you. He knows what's best. He has your best interest at heart. What an, uh, an encouraging thing to know that is. So when Jesus says to Jairus, don't fear, only believe. Yes, if you know that Jesus is wise, you believe that he has your best interest at heart and loves you, that makes it much easier to do. There's a third thing that we need to see. Finally, this is it, the power of Jesus. We see it on display in a most amazing way. Well, first of all, he heals the woman with the flow of blood that no other doctor could heal. And he doesn't even know he's doing it. She just touches him and and he senses that power goes out from himself to someone. And the woman feels it and senses that she has been healed. And that's amazing in and of itself that he can heal without even trying to heal. He just heals by walking down the street and someone touching him. That's amazing. But I think even more amazing is verse 41 where he goes to this little girl who has died. And the people are wailing and crying, and and it's a very sad scene. And Jesus says, "She's, you know, why are you why are you crying and wailing? She's just sleeping." And they laugh at Jesus, and you can understand why they laugh at Jesus. It's we all know for a fact that she's dead. That's why Mark gives us that little detail, because everyone knew without a shadow of a doubt that she was dead. There wasn't like people going, oh, wait, maybe she is just asleep. No, everybody laughs and says, Jesus is crazy. Why is he saying this? But what Jesus is actually saying is that death to me, death to me is nothing but a good night's sleep. And as easy it is to wake up a little girl from sleep, I can pull you from death to life. And that's exactly what he does. Beautiful words he says to her. Talitha Kumi. When you look at verse 41, it gives you the translation. Little girl, I say to you, arise. That sounds very proper and religious. But it's really a term of endearment that he uses here in that language. Uh, He's saying something of the equivalent, something that you would say to your child or grandchild when you wake them up in the morning honey it's time to wake up something along those lines that's how that's what jesus is actually saying here little girl time to get up rise and shine it's a new day takes her by the hand and wakes her up from death itself now the wonderful thing about jesus is that when he has you by the hand When he takes your hand, you don't even need to be afraid of death. Death is nothing to him. He has conquered death. He rose from the grave. When you think about the difficulties that you face and the problems that you you want to be out of, 
It's not a problem for Jesus to pull you right out of that problem. He can do that. He has the ability to do that. He may not have the willingness because because of his wisdom and his love. He has something for you there. He's strengthening your faith. He's giving you something much better than whatever it is that you desire. But when Jesus has you by the hand, nothing is impossible for him. And that's good to know that your life is in the hands of one like that. How is he able to do that? How does he have the power? How does he have the wisdom? How can he do that for us? Now, when you think about Jesus taking the little girl's hand, I mean, there's nothing more secure for a child than to to hold his parent. We were at a birthday party last night uh, with a guy and Jennifer Richard, and uh, they're, they're about our age, and he's the pastor over at Gulfport, and so we're good friends, and a birthday party for one of their older children, but they've got a little one, you know, they've got couple of older ones and then they've got this little two-year-old and, and you know she was being held the whole time and Sarah really enjoyed holding the two-year-old uh it was really sweet and you know they the there's lots of people in the bowling alley where the party was and so they had to you know watch the little girl and make sure she didn't get into any kind of trouble or wander onto the lanes and get hurt uh but I can imagine being in that crowd of people being that little child uh the most secure place was in the arms of her parents, holding the hand of her parents. That little girl, when Jesus reached down and took her hand, she was in the most secure spot that she could be in, in the world, in the universe. Because not only did she have the hand of, a, of, of an adult, she had the, had the hand of her heavenly Father. And the same is true of us. Jesus has us by the hand. Now, he can do that for us. He can, he can take our hand because of what happened to him in his life. You know, he is the Son of God. God the Father let go of Jesus' hand on the cross. And Jesus was not rescued from the problems and the pain and the sin that he took upon himself. The Father let go of Jesus' hand so he would never let go of ours. The greatest demonstration of Jesus Christ's wisdom, love, and power is on the cross when the Father pulled back His fatherly love and poured out His just wrath for us. Our, our, the wrath that was due to for our sins, Jesus bore them there so that we could be in the Father's hand. And as as John tells us, uh, as Jesus tells us in John, the Father has us in the palm of His hands and no one can snatch us away. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with today, do not fear. Trust the Lord. Rest in His wisdom, in His love, in His power. The Lord has a great purpose for your life. Trust Him for that purpose. Let's pray together.